Welcome to the We Hack Purple podcast, where each episode we meet a new person who works in information security, but ideally someone who helps to secure software as part of their work. This episode is sponsored by the Diana Initiative. They are an amazing conference that focuses on getting people from underrepresented groups to start working in information security. We want more of you, and that means every single person, to join our field. And this is what they do with their conference, which is August 7th in Las Vegas, Nevada, United States, also known as Vegas. Uh, and it happens just before DEF CON and Black Hat. So if you're going down there anyway, you could go one day early and attend this amazing, amazing, amazing event. But you're not here to hear about our sponsor usually, you're here to hear about our guest. And our guest this week is Gagandeep Singh and he's awesome. I So I was like reading his stuff and reading his blog on the internet and I thought, okay, so maybe if I invite him on the show, he'll say yes. The worst he could do is say no. And I asked him and he said, yes. Will you tell our audience a little bit more about you? Yep. Uh, thanks Tanya for having me and sharing my experience here. Uh, about me, uh, this is Gagandeep, and I have 11 years of IT experience. And I started working as a developer. And very soon in my career, I realized uh, the importance of uh, writing secure code by and bu building secure products. So I started practicing uh, for writing secure code. And from there, my interest in security grew, and I uh, do uh, security testing as my key, key skill. And uh, I did perform vulnerability assessments, code review, pen test, offensive security at different stages of my uh, career. <clears throat> now I am uh, working more on defensive side and application security side. So I perform um, threat modeling, design review, and uh, DevSecOps, and helping developers with their security needs. Awesome. So. The main reason that I was like, I have to, I have to talk to him was, so I am writing my next book, which is called Alison Bob Learns Secure Coding. And there is a section where I wanted to talk about domain driven development and how, so it's sort of like a fancier, newer, like newer, more organized way to write software. And it has all these awesome security benefits. So then when I was looking up all of the stuff, I just kept finding you. <laughs> so I, I was like, so I felt like you had a blog post that to me explained it in the most clear way. You went over like a lot of the, the reasons why it's good. And so I was hoping, can we talk, could, first of all, could you like just give sort of an overview of what the heck is design driven development? Uh, before we get into domain-driven design, uh, I would like to share uh, that when a software is built, the teams mostly uh, focus on just to make things work, and uh, that is the main goal of uh, the, uh, the development teams. Uh, and when developing a product, the quality assurance, uh, time to market, and cost is the more driving principle. And when security vulnerabilities are identified, so we follow more reactive approach in uh, in remediating them. But with domain-driven design, the bar is a little bit higher uh, with regards to most software development. And domain-driven design does not just focus on uh, how the system should work, but having a deeper understanding of what we are building. And there is a significant emphasis on um, understanding the problem domain 
and what we are building uh, rather than just focusing on the solutions. And with domain-driven design, we take active decisions uh, throughout the different uh, phases of the development lifecycle. And mm -hmm. eventually the focus is on the design, which is uh, zeroed down to from the code to the uh, architecture level uh, so that the end solution is more secure. Part of the thing that I liked about it when I was, so I had put on the internet, like I'm thinking of covering these things and someone said, you should cover domain-driven design and development. And I was like, ooh, I actually hadn't heard of this before. And then when I was reading about it, the idea of you know naming things and organizing things based on what the product is about. So let's say it builds cars, uh, like having like the car object or whatever and all the things inside of it. Um, the idea is to make it really readable and easily understandable. And I feel from a security perspective, sometimes we come in and we look at an app and we're like, what is this thing supposed to do? Oh my gosh. And with domain driven design, it, it makes so much more sense, like right out of the box from the first time you look at it, it's like, oh, this does this and this does that. Thanks guys. But you were, so in your blog article and like, and we've discussed just what are some of the security advantages that might happen? Um. For a domain-driven design uh, and understanding the security advantages, I will take a step back and uh, highlight the issues which we are facing right now in our traditional uh, approach. So uh, when we, when the developers are asked to build a product and there is a security vulnerability, so during development, they have to uh, have an explicit knowledge about security vulnerabilities and their focus is on vulnerabilities and uh, rather than uh, the rather than solving the business business problem and uh, building on business functionality, um, and with that, developers need to have uh, good knowledge about sec uh, security and uh, having and we consider them to be a security expect expert also, uh, along with a developer. With domain driven design, the organization uh, the where the organizations are now focusing more on is to, uh, with the shift left approach, we can um, uh, in, incorporate security as early as in the development lifecycle, which will make uh, it the development lifecycle more effortless and and security is integrated into it. So to explain uh, the advantages, I will use an example uh, like uh, for example, we have a simple application which has, um, which is we are using it for uploading images, and mm -hmm. so for that application, we will need a login page, and mm -hmm. um, and, and and for and the login page eventually becomes a feature of an application. Yeah. But we, and as as an end user, I would like my. Uh, my application my images on the application be more confidential and it is not uh, going to, uh, in an un like in an unauthorized hand so i wanted my images to be more confidential so eventually um, security uh, uh, it is the concern of a user so uh, eventually it becomes a security concern with domain driven design not just a feature so Eventually, if we think about uh, if we uh, when we are building an application, 
we should not just focus on security features we mm -hmm. should focus uh, we should take security as a concern of an end user like in this case confidentiality and login uh, login pay, a login mechanism gives confidentiality in an application um, and understanding that <clears throat> uh, concern security concerns we will say that uh, the uh, the cia uh, is the main uh, main concern of uh, of security basically so uh, the four pillars of uh, domain driven design is confidentiality integrity availability and traceability and those things are eventually uh, integrated into the life cycle and and once the user stories are uh, defined on those principles this will eventually lead to lesser security vulnerabilities and having the positive impact in the development life cycle yeah i feel like having security be a part of the feature itself like built in from the beginning rather than being added on later like that sounds great I remember you're saying, so for instance, if we have a file upload feature, we would want to create a secure file upload feature and security is outlined in what the feature does. Like that it's part of the description of what will be performed. So it's not, we're doing a file upload and we're smashing a security control on top of it. It's that the feature that we are offering to our users is to securely upload files and this is how we accomplish that whole thing. And a bunch of the things in it are security. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, yes. Eventually, uh, if we are building a good design um, and uh, taking all the things into consideration, uh, then this becomes a natural process rather than, uh, I would say, an interest of uh, that. And we need an expert for it. Defining the user stories in a more structured way will uh, eventually has a natural um, benefits to uh, the development lifecycle. So, yeah. Okay, so one of the things when I was reading up on domain-driven development was called trusted types. And so I went to go see a talk in, um, in September of 2020 no, 2022 in Vienna at this conference called Sec for Dev. And there's this guy who gave a talk. His name's Michael, um, Michael Kopen, Kopman. Um, and he talked about, so content security policy headers growing and growing and growing. It does more and more stuff. And so there was a guy named Lucas that works at Google and he talked about that. But then Michael talked about specifically Parvit with trusted types is, is a way that we could enforce the domain driven development. So you implement uh, CSP. And one of the things you would say is these are specific trusted types and you can only use these types. So instead of having, um, let's say, you know, you have an object and it collects an email address, but it's not a validated email address. It's just something we got from the user. We don't know if this is good or not. And then rather than us running it through a validation function or of some sort, we pass it to another object that's called validated email address. And then what it does is it validates it and then it returns either the email address or false because it's not validated, right? And it throws an error and it says to the original email address thing, hey, go out and get that email address again because it's no good. 
And so from then on in all the rest of your application, you just access the validated email address. And so this solves the problem of, I'm sure you've seen this before, where a developer takes uh, something from the user and there is a validation feature somewhere in the app, but sometimes they use it first to make a business decision. They take this, the user input from the user and make a business decision before they validated it, or they forgot to do the input validation, like just this one time. And then it gets used somewhere to make a business decision, like, you know, something we should send to the SQL server or something like that. And then disaster ensues. So with domain driven development, if we're planning these domains and we're using trusted types, CSP can say, you know, we don't use the email address. We only use validated email address type from now on. And so that means you, you can't put that to the screen or you can't do these other things with it. And CSP helps. So while you're coding, it may seem annoying where it's like, you can't use that. And I'm like, why? And it's like, because it's the email address, not the validated email address, Tanya. That's the one you're supposed to use. I'm like, oh, CSP, you're right. And so that was one of the ways that was suggested that we would be able to kind of force some of the domain-driven development. Because so the idea of domain-driven development is awesome, but enforcing it seems like it can be complex. Did you want to add any other things on that? Yes, I would like to add uh, one more uh, feature about a key principle about domain-driven design. Uh, failing fast, as you were saying that, uh, uh, validating the email address and so uh, when there's a when a user input is uh, ingested into an application so based on uh, the user input we validate it and um, like based on what the design uh, the contract of design says and if the email address for example is uh, invalid so that request before it is processed by uh, the method it the request is discarded so it eventually helps uh, in sanitizing of uh, the input and only correct uh, structure of input is only um, ingested into the application so yeah this is one of the key principle of domain driven design and uh, and apart from that i would say validation becomes uh, is always a very critical uh, aspect of uh, all the applications and if the user input is not validated properly, it can uh, lead into various types of attacks like cross-site scripting or code injection. And it's an attacker's playground to uh, exploit and to the level of extent they want to go. And I would say that while, uh, when interacting with developers, uh, validation uh, is not properly understood. And with domain-driven design, we have like with this particular concept we have uh, we can define at various stages where we can validate a user input and ideally there are five way five at five stages we can validate a user input in to ensure that no malicious input is ingested into the application mm -hmm. uh, so the first one is uh, to check the origin from where the data is coming then the size of the user input and uh, Let's uh, the context of the basically context of the user input, and we can do it through regex or uh, other ways, other other open source libraries for it, and the syntax uh, which is there in the user input, and eventually uh, semantics of uh, 
the user input to ensure that all the user input is, uh, it makes sense uh, for an application to process it. So if we implement validation at these levels, um, then I would say a very high number, I would say 90% of security issues are resolved if we are validating user input properly. Literally, that is the exact question I was going to ask you. How many security problems would just be eliminated if we all did perfect input validation? Yes. So if everyone could just listen to what he said, especially every software developer on the planet, just follow his advice. I'd appreciate it. Because seriously, you and I, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need jobs or we would need to get other jobs because everything would be no, it'd be so much better if input validation, input validation and proper hardening and keeping up with patches, the world would be a very secure place. <gasps> so true. And I think domain-driven development and do actually, I have one more question. I mean, I have a thousand questions, but I want to respect okay. your time. So do domain-driven design and domain-driven development, are those kind of the same thing or are they sort of different? Um, basically, it's... Um the design, uh, I would say, in, I will explain you in terms of uh, SDLC. So before we actually uh, develop anything, we design it. And uh, and the term, they are, I would say, one and the same thing. And it is used at different stages. So when we are uh, designing a solution, then that what we mean is to model, basically, uh, an application and a problem statement. And where... Uh, I would say um, a so, uh, it, it, a modeling requires collaboration between domain and software practitioners where uh, the requirements are being fetched and understood uh, and then written into user stories. And, and based, once we understand what we need to build, then we design our uh, solution and eventually that leads to development. So uh, having a strong design will will make sure that the development is more secure and well understood by the developers when they are writing code. So I would say there is a definite, uh, I would say mapping between them mm -hmm. and they then go in sync together. Okay, so I'm gonna ask a super sensitive question. So when I was a software developer, <clears throat> I was never handed a good design doc. They'd be like, it's gonna do this stuff. Good luck, Janka. Um, I never got like, you know, you know, this is the domain it's in. These are the objects we want. This is that I never, ever received something like that when I was a developer. Is this something that is this something that's in wide practice? Is this something that like organizations could implement? Like, how could we take advantage of this cool methodology? Uh, yes, I would say that uh, this is a very advanced, uh, I would say, uh, principle and through, if we follow and if we understand domain-driven design, then uh, developing a very complex solution will eventually become very easy for it, for us to implement. And uh, so uh, for that, we have to understand the building blocks of domain-driven design. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will go them uh, like on a high level on the building blocks. Uh, so the first is uh, entities. So what are entities? Entities are, I would say, a primary key or a key identity of an individual or a product, uh, which is consistent towards to, uh, in the entire life cycle. And we should emphasize that once we are defining an entity, it should be um, 
always consistent and there uh, and well coordinated uh, throughout the life cycle which will make sure that um, we can control the behavior of an of a of an object in an application and then it will help us in resolving a lot of uh, security issues later in the uh, in the phase and i feel the, oh sorry please yeah sorry sorry i feel like if we could hand to a software developer or a team of software developers an entire design modeled upon this methodology i feel like I feel like it would be a dream as a dev. It's like, oh, I know, like I just like fill in the blanks. All right, I got this. Like, have you have you ever um, had a chance to work with this where you got to get feedback from the developers as to if they liked having this level of guidance? Is I would say that uh, I have uh, not uh, so far uh, able to get a pitch in this idea uh, for most of our customers because uh, it is still relatively new for people to understand and start implementing okay. but it is i would say it is a very powerful uh, uh, powerful principle and it should be uh, and through this i would uh, like people to be uh, aware and adopt uh, adopt this new methodology in which uh, we uh, we can eventually build more secure products and eventually if uh, reading through code will make sense for for the people in the longer run and the maintainability of our solution will be uh, very beneficial it will be having a very benefit of uh, it will be very beneficial for us no i agree completely i mean like when i was a software developer the design doc would be like it's going to do this stuff good luck with that and the idea of being past something that's so organized and just being able to look over cuz i i remember being a dev and like talking about the things and saying like, yo, this is like, this won't work because of this, or this can work because of that and offering feedback on designs, but actually getting one that was good and getting to work with it, I think it might speed up the entire development process because they have clear guidance for the first time. And from a security perspective, being able to just look at the design and having literally the words explain what it does, that sounds fantastic. Okay, so we are coming to the end of our time. And so I'm going to ask the thing I always ask, if people want more of you, where could they perhaps follow you on social media? Or maybe you might have a blog that they might want to read? Uh, yes, I have a blog, uh, which is uh, we can share uh, with uh, with this um, platform and uh, people who are interested uh, in uh, understanding and deep uh, like uh, diving in deep with me i will be very happy to collaborate with them and i'm active on linkedin and i can share the link with you and will be um, like happy to connect with people who have similar interest that would be awesome so if you are listening or watching so if you're watching you're on youtube you just go down the page and there will be links to all of the things that we talked about so that you can follow him and you can read his blog. If you are listening, it's audio only. If you, uh, chances are you're on a podcast episode. If you go to the show notes, you should be able to see this link. But some of the podcast platforms don't allow that. So for you folks, I would say that you should cruise on over to wehackpurple.com slash podcast. And then you will see this gentleman's face and hear his voice and go to his page. So this, I believe, is going to be number 68, podcast episode 68. And so just scroll down, we have a whole bunch and you will find this one and it will say 
design-driven development. I want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Diana Initiative. This is a conference that is focused specifically on helping people from underrepresented groups get into information security, so working in our field. Their event is held August 7th in Las Vegas in the United States. It's going to be hot there. It's going to be very warm. Their tickets are super reasonably priced compared to basically everything else that ever happens in Las Vegas. There's going to be tons of friendly faces, including mine. We Hack Purple is a proud sponsor of the Diana Initiative, and I'm looking forward to seeing lots of you there. But now that I've thanked my sponsor, I want to say thank you to my guest. I really appreciate you being on our podcast, and I know that it's not like you do 100 podcasts all the time, so I appreciate you taking a chance on We Hack Purple. Thanks, uh, Tanya, for having me and giving me the opportunity to express this. Awesome. Okay, bye, everyone.